You are listening to the Fancy Free Podcast, where my guests and I tell our most embarrassing, funny stories so that we all feel less alone in our imperfections and forge connection through vulnerability and humor. I'm Joanne Jarrett, and I am your host. And today I have with me a new girlfriend, Andrea Rosenbaum, who I met because we are both in a physician Facebook group together, but we have so much more in common, as you will find out listening to our interview. Andrea is a board-certified pediatrician and practicing pediatric hospitalist. She also has extensive experience in the emergency department and the primary care setting, as well as training in mindfulness and cognitive behavioral therapy. She likes to think that she exists at the intersection of health, fashion, and wellness. In her role as a physician, she works with children and families to not only heal physically, but also endeavor to support the well-being of the whole person. Outside of the hospital, she is an entrepreneur and fashion designer. She founded Haviva Mama, a modestly styled, ethically sourced, inclusive clothing brand for pregnant and nursing women. I'm so excited about this. This is just amazing. She has a blog, Love All Mamas, that is currently in development but launching soon, that compiles the voices of people in the medical profession and real mothers to create a space where mothers can go to find trusted advice and support in topics ranging from wellness to fashion to motherhood and beyond. She believes that fashion is a powerful force in the world, and she hopes to use her position as a physician and fashion designer to harness this power for good. She aims to do this by using fashion to empower all women, particularly mothers, to view their bodies with love and respect and to recognize the true beauty that resides inside all of us. Okay, you won the contest for giving me goosebumps with the bio. That's never happened before. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Andrea, thank you so much for being with me today. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm really excited. Awesome. Fill in the blanks. What did I miss about who you are and what you do? First and foremost, I'm a mom. I have a beautiful, almost two-year-old little girl Aww. who is is just absolutely amazing. <laughs> and I love her more <laughs> than anything. But motherhood is very challenging, too. Yeah. I would say it's both the hardest and most amazing thing I've ever done in my life is being a mother. I think that's so interesting that you say that because I always tell young moms Listen, I've been through a few things. I didn't have my kids till 31 and 32. Before that, I became a physician. And through that process, no matter what kind of physician you become, you take trauma surgery rotations, you're on call 36 off 12 for months straight. I am telling you, being a mom is harder than any of that. Do you find that to be true too? I would absolutely agree. I mean, I nothing prepared me for being a mom and just mm-hmm. how hard it was. I thought, I'm a pediatrician. I have all Mm -hmm. the answers. I know everything. (laughs) This will be easy. It'll be great. Who is more prepared than I am? Right. right. So I had a difficult pregnancy. And then a uh, just I I wouldn't say difficult. I think my my mom course was pretty normal, but it is really, really hard. And what I realized was that there's just so much that you're not prepared for and that people don't tell you. And Honestly, one of the reasons why I'm trying to do what I'm doing in terms of creating a community and getting messages out there is that I really, really, really want moms to see they are not alone, that everyone struggles, uh, and it's okay, it's, and it's normal, and to try and normalize that, and also to create a community of support. I feel like I was so lucky because when I had questions, I had five pediatrician friends that I could <laughs> totally. ask, or like, 
my OB friend from medical school or, you know, <laughs> or, or the lactation consultant who I shared an office with three days a week. Oh my and, gosh, amazing. And so all of those resources, I, I consider myself extremely lucky. And so I, I really feel like just having that real raw information and, and ability to just have people be honest with you and be truthful with you and tell you how it is, is so, so important in getting through this and really, really loving motherhood for all the trials and tribulations. So you're trying to gather a meeting place online where you can provide support on a large scale that you found in your little community of doctors. That's amazing. I love that. And I think our mission somewhat dovetail not only because we both have an interest in fashion and we're both physicians, but because we want women to know they're not alone. We're in this a little bit of a special position because if anyone was supposed to be prepared for motherhood, it was us, right? And yet still it blew me over so viciously. <laughs> I, know. I don't want my daughter to listen to this at some point and think, oh my gosh, like what did I do to my mother? I mean, she is amazing. <laughs> and being a mom is amazing. But it is hard. You're thinking yeah. about her as a child. Think about right. her as a young mom. If she that, listens yeah. to it, then she'll be like, see, my mom was amazing. And she struggled. You know, <laughs> that is true. I, I think it, it helps you see these women who look like they have it all together. And I mean, I, I know, like, some of my friends, I just look at them in the clinic, they are absolute rock stars or in the hospital, they are just doing these amazing things. And then I could sit down with them and they would tell me these stories about their kids and the things that they worry about their fears and how they would question themselves and second guess and you realize like, wow, you can hold both of those things together. Absolutely. Yes. Like my tagline at the end of every episode, no one is as fancy as they look. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We're all, even when we're in our white coats with our hair all done and like running a trauma surgery or whatever is <laughs> happening, you're still like on the inside. Look carefully at our feet. We just may have one black shoe on and one navy shoe on. <laughs> Exactly right. I've, I've definitely gone into the hospital with my sex not matching. We're going to run that code flawlessly, but we may have bedhead, right? Exactly. You're running the code, but you're doing it with your mom bun intact. Uh-huh. Okay, so you've got to tell me more about this fashion designing side of you. How did that start? And what's the story behind it? It's a little crazy. I mean, it honestly was a little bit of just an idea that I had. I have always loved fashion. I've always been a huge modern art lover. My dad was a big collector of modern art. I mean, he still is. And wow. I internalized a lot of that. He also is an entrepreneur. I think there was always this little bit of me. And I come from a very entrepreneurial family. So I, I think it's a little bit in my blood. I was I was sort of the black sheep who went off into medicine. That's a phrase you <laughs> never expect to hear. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't, wasn't what the rest of my family did, <laughs> put it that way. That's so funny. So, um, <laughs> But I think there's always been this little part of me that had this love for art and this love for fashion and this love to create and and to try and really build something. And so that all came together when I just had this idea through my experience of being a mother that I really felt like there just wasn't a place for moms necessarily to go where they were getting this message that you are beautiful, we're designing for you at all your stages, that your body is beautiful, your body did amazing things. And just because it's different than before you had a kid, we want to celebrate that. And we want to design for that and design to make you look and feel beautiful and be comfortable. 
and be able to be a mom in clothes that are comfortable. I love that. I really, really feel that fashion is just such a huge in the world and in women's lives and how women look at themselves. And so part of running a fashion brand is I just love fashion and I love designing clothes, but I, I also see it as a vehicle to take the the message of fashion and to use the power of the fashion industry to try and change a message and try and, and get a, a message of inclusivity and love for your body out there that women maybe aren't hearing all the time from other fashion brands. Yep. So we need to honor and embrace every stage and phase, right, that our bodies and lives go through. You're so right. A lot of times from pregnancy through when your child is about five. (laughs) So many things in your life are on hold. And one of the things that became sort of on hold in my life was my love for fashion because I just couldn't pull it all together. I thought, okay, if I can just get through this and then lose the weight, I'll be back into my regular clothes. I wish I had embraced all those different stages and said to myself, let me think about what my needs are right now in this phase. Now let me find something that actually honors those needs and meets them rather than just reminding me that I'm waiting until the next stage because you can't live like that. If you can live comfortably in the stage that you're in and focus on what's actually happening now rather than thinking about, oh, I can't wait till I'm back like I was because you never are emotionally or physically or mentally or anything else, you know? I think that is so important. And that's something that I learned in my training and mindfulness too, is the importance of really living in the moment and just loving yourself and loving the place that you're in and just really enjoying the process and not looking at life as a destination, but as a journey and to just really enjoy the journey and all the stages and all the ups and downs and just to experience that as part of life. There are so many so many changes in different stages and, and to just really just really experience and love them all, I think, is, is, is a mind shift that can really be, be healthy for people. Yeah, for sure. And I love that not only are you providing the clothing that might help people move through, but if, if somebody doesn't have the means, then you're also providing this platform whereby they feel supported and honored in other ways. So that's, that's really awesome. Thank you. Well, and, and I will say that a lot of our clothes do transition from pregnancy to nursing. So you can wear the same dress, the same pants, the same top when you're pregnant and when you're nursing. And, and oh, I think that's brilliant yeah, because yeah. it's a, it's a big outlay of cash. Mm-hmm. Plus your body is still, you're not going to fit into your pre-pregnancy clothes and you're not ready to buy post-pregnancy clothes because you really don't know where you're going to end up. Right. So if you can <laughs> buy some really awesome, cute clothes to wear during your pregnancy. And those can transition to the nursing time and the time where your body's kind of going back to its new baseline. That's awesome. Absolutely. And, and you know, if you always, if you want to add more in, you can, but at least you have that base of a wardrobe where if you just aren't able or not ready to in, invest in a whole new set of clothes, you have something to fall back on. And personally, I think yeah. they're beautiful. So. <laughs> so tell me more about the name of your company and how that originated. Haviva is a Hebrew word for beloved or well-loved. Haviva is actually a Hebrew name, and that means well-loved or beloved. And so it basically means beloved mama. And so it it just goes into the idea that I really wanted something where it was a space for moms where we say all moms are loved. And so that goes into the blog, Love All Mamas, and then the name of the clothing brand, which is Beloved Mama. I love that. Okay, let's do some rapid fire questions. Okay, if you had 24 hours in your home alone with no pressing to do's, what would you do? Oh my God, first I think I would sleep. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> There's never enough time for sleep. And then I would read. I love to read. And I would just so love to have a few hours where I have nothing on my plate where I can just dig into a great book and just lose myself in it. That's probably one of my favorite things in the world to do. I love it as well. And I don't make as much time for it as I should. What's your favorite book of the last couple of years? I've just started reading about that. One of my relatives just wrote, which I'm enjoying very much, called A Wife in Bangkok a novel about a a woman who follows her husband who's working for an oil company to Bangkok from a small town and and basically all of the challenges in that transition. That sounds really good. Okay, if you could rename yourself, what would you pick? I actually did rename myself. Really? Yeah, so as as part of my conversion, you choose a Hebrew name. So I got to choose my own name, which was really cool and interesting when when you get to make that decision yourself. I gave myself a first and a middle name. So my first name is Adina, which means gentle. And my middle name is Gila, which means joy. My middle name is Joyce, which comes from joy. And so then I I kept the same meaning for my Hebrew middle name. Adina and Andrea are are fairly similar. And I I really like the meaning of of Adina just being gentle and calm. And I think that that sums me up very, very well in terms of my personality and and my goal for myself. Awesome. So does does your husband call you Andrea or Adina? Oh, it's it's Andrea. So the the Adina Gila would would just be used in Hebrew prayers or sort of coming before God. Ceremonial and religious. How interesting. Wow. This episode is brought to you by Shelfie Shop. Shelfies are loungewear that feel like pajamas, look like streetwear, and every outfit has a cozy, soft, shelf bra for some support, coverage, and separation without adding bulk. And every outfit has a pocket designed specifically for comfortable and secure toting of your cell phone. I can't tell you how many of my quote cozy clothes outfits don't have pockets and it drives me bonkers. So I designed my dream loungewear that I could never quite find. It's been three years in the making. You guys, this stuff is flying off the shelves. It is so much fun. I've been able to order another batch of the first collection. It will be here in a few weeks and you'll have to get it before it's gone because these are small batch limited edition collections. And once they are gone and I move on to the next collection, they will never be reproduced. Although each collection will have the consistent elements of shelfies with the shelf bra and the phone pocket and the luxurious fabric and the element of being like street legal pajamas. Use the code fancyfree at shelfieshop.com for free shipping. S-H-E-L-F-I-E-S-H-O-P-P-E.com. Definitely go check it out and stay cozy. Well, as you know, the point of this podcast is to share our not so fancy moments so that people who are looking at us like we have all of our stuff together realize they're not alone. So what do you have for us today? You know, I think one of the things with my fashion brand is my working with moms. And so this came in really handy. I was on a Zoom call with my designer and pattern maker and the call was running a little bit long and my husband and daughter came in and my daughter ran up and Zoom bombed and just started making the kind, I I don't want to embarrass her in posterity, so I I won't say what she was saying, but in only two-year-old fashion, (laughs) she just said some things that probably (laughs) 
were not what I, I would have hoped that she would have said in a business call. But you know, <laughs> of course, they were both moms and have young children. Yeah. And, and it was totally fine. So it, it just really cemented for me how wonderful it is to work with other moms who get it. Oh, that's awesome. It probably reinvigorated them with a little bit of humor and you're like, oh, she's, I'm not the only one having a child coming <laughs> at my back. I'm trying to work. I, I, I hope so, especially with COVID where, where kids are working from home. I've, I've told everyone I work with, if I can hear your kids in the background, it is not a problem at all. I am. I, it makes me yeah. happy that you can do your work and be there for your kids. So it's. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, awesome. I hope they, I think they felt the same way. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they did. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> What else have you got? When I was in high school, I was walking down uh, the sidewalk with a bunch of friends. And this was my freshman year. And so the varsity football team was out playing on the football field and the sidewalk was running right along the field. And I was so excited because a couple of the football players came running over to the fence to say hi to us. And so we're trying to be super cool and you know, chatting with them while we're still walking, trying not to seem too interested in them. And bam, I ran right into a telephone pole that was, for whatever reason, there's a telephone pole right in the middle of the sidewalk. Oh my gosh, that's terrible. You poor thing! Literally, in, right in front of the entire varsity football team that happened. <laughs> <laughs> I have got questions. Okay. Number one, how'd you play that off? Did they laugh or pretend they didn't notice? Number two, did it leave a mark? It didn't leave a mark, thankfully. You know, I honestly, I can't even remember. I think I was just so mortified that like I blocked the whole, what I, the whole episode after that point. I know. I yeah. You're away. like, your guess is as good as mine. No clue how that went down I, afterwards. I know that I didn't run away crying. I think I went back and just kept talking with them. So I must have somehow been able to shake it off. But I, and I don't remember anyone making me, making fun of me about it in the future. (laughs) Oh, good. You had nice people around you. So they either felt so bad for me that (laughs) they weren't going to say anything or they didn't care. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably a scene that you played over in your head a few times though, as you were growing up. (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't one of my finer moments, but (laughs) I survived. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That's the tale. Poor teenage Andrea. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm I'm still a klutz though, so it's <laughs> I'm I'm used to it. I just kind of get up and roll with it. It's it's I've I've actually to the point where I I found myself my my daughter when she's running she'll fall and I just tell her stand up, wipe your hands off, dust yourself off, and just keep right on running. And so then she she was running and she fell and she looks at me and she goes stand up, dust yourself off, and keep running. <laughs> So yeah, that, that was that was ingrained early in me, I guess. And now it's passed along to her. That was useful for, in your mothering and in your personal development. I think so. I think so. Yeah, I've had to had to do that more than a few times myself. It's a skill, definitely. All right, tell me about your recital. Oh my gosh, sort of a, a funny factoid about myself. I play the fiddle. I picked this up as an adult though so I am terrible I'm 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 probably somewhere between dying cat yowling and beginner is I think where I would fall <laughs> I've been told on more than one occasion that I I do not have any sense of tone oh no <laughs> which is kind of a problem when you're trying to play a fiddle which is, is I, I don't know if everyone knows it's just 
a fancy name for a violin. It's a labor of love and it's nothing that I I do for anyone but myself. I actually have been told I'm not supposed to practice when anyone else is in the house. <laughs> because, <laughs> I was wondering about that. <laughs> it, it, it the inhabitants. <laughs> but one of the requirements of my fiddle instructor is that everyone, even the adult students, have to do a recital. And so because it's Boy. we are fiddlers and not violinists, instead of doing the recital in a concert hall, he would have us do it on the stage in a bar. Oh, fun. Yeah. But then you're, you're up there trying to play your fiddle in an active bar where there are people in the bar, they're getting drinks in their food. Heckling you and saying, I paid five bucks for this beer. Stop hurting my ears. <laughs> Thankfully, I, I think that people were warned that there was going to be a recital going on. <laughs> I guess, people are very kind, it. but it, it was not a private venue with the, all the other <laughs> students. It wasn't just a room full of people who love you or love somebody else who's going to be on stage soon. <laughs> no, it was a very public venue with people who... We're not there to watch beginning fiddle players <laughs> do a recital. <laughs> and the really sad thing is that three quarters of his students are children, and some of them are really good. And so I, I, <laughs> I had to go up after like a five year old who just blew it out. <laughs> <laughs> It's just one of those things where you just can't take yourself too seriously. And you, you, yeah. you know what? I'm doing this because I want to do it. And <laughs> like, I can't be good at everything. <laughs> exactly. Yes. And we don't have to pretend we're good at everything we try. We don't have to hide the things that we're not good at. If we're enjoying them, then that's probably a really great public service to put it out there. You probably made that five-year-old feel like a superstar. I feel like you know, people like, I am so much better than that lady. <laughs> I, know, I think it's, I think it's great. You know, I think people should definitely do what they love and, and not worry about, about being successful and everything. Just have fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I have another question. Do you sleep? Because you're a full-time pediatrician, you have a two-year-old, you have a fashion line, and you take fiddling lessons. I try, but probably not as much as I should. But I mean, I think this is one of these important things, too, is that, you know, I don't do this without a lot of help. And so, yeah. you know, I, I think that that's another thing that I, I don't think people like to admit that they get help. And I think that that does a disservice to moms who are struggling, yeah. who look and, and say, I, I need to do it all. And you can't, mm -hmm. it's not possible to do it all. You're going to burn yourself out and you, you just can't do it. And so I, I really do try and prioritize too on, on the things that are the things that I need to do and only I can do and, and the things I can outsource. In the past couple of months, I've outsourced all my cooking, which has been amazing. I don't clean my own house. Awesome. I am terrible at cleaning and I hate doing it. <laughs> I'm really bad at it too. Yeah. It takes so long and I'm bad at it. I'm like, what the heck? And I think everyone has their things that they're good at and they enjoy doing. And so it's kind of a different value proposition for everyone. But I am very busy, but I have to have other people, other women come in and help me. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm so glad you said that. Just even if it, you didn't have the resources to hire somebody, you could always Skillshare with somebody. Get together with another mom and say, okay, if, if I come over and help you scrub your floors, will you come over and help me fold my laundry or something, you know, because we need, we all need help. Right. That's a great idea. Or I'll watch your kid for two hours so that you can get stuff done around the yes. house. And then you watch my kid for two hours and, and, yes. and it just gives the space that we need. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for telling me those stories. I, you gave me a good laugh. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so fun. Tell me about the mikvah. 
the mikvah is a ritual bath that Jewish women go into for various different reasons. Religious women will go in the mikvah before the Sabbath and then at different life events after you've, you've passed a period post-pregnancy. There's other reasons to do it too, but the reason that I was in the mikvah was because I had converted to Judaism and it, it was a long process for me to get there. It, it was about a 10-year process to get to the point where I, I was ready to convert, never because I was not committed to it, but I think, and, and, and you can understand this, I think it was like my type A personality where I felt like things were never perfect enough. I never had enough of my ducks in a row to actually. If I can't do it perfectly, I should wait. I didn't know enough prayers. My kitchen wasn't kosher enough. We weren't observant enough in the holidays. So there was always something that that kind of pushed me back. And and finally, it, it got urgent because I was eight months pregnant. And and we really wanted my daughter to be born Jewish. And the way to do that would be to have the conversion done before she was born. And I had a discussion with my rabbi. And it was probably some of the best advice I've ever gotten in my life. He said, look, your conversion to Judaism, look at it as a journey, not as a destination that that mm-hmm. you are you you can always grow and always improve and this is one step on the journey that it's okay to do it now even if you don't feel like everything's perfect and i think that was just such great advice for the conversion but just life in general <laughs> sometimes you just have to do it and recognize that you can continue to improve on things as as you move forward but the the end result of all of those delays were that i i was 8 months pregnant and when you you go in the mikvah, there are some requirements. And so you, you have to be completely naked. You, you can't have anything, not even a hair tie, no jewelry. And you have to completely submerge yourself underwater with no part of your body out of the water and no part of your body touching anything else. And this is observed by a woman that's sort of colloquially known as a mikvah lady who watches you do this process make sure that everything's done properly. And then there's also prayers that have to be said with each submersion. So you have to submerge yourself three times. And you can imagine when you're eight months pregnant, you are very buoyant. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm pretty buoyant even now, but yeah. (laughs) How do you think? (laughs) So we went and and so there's something called a bet din, which was my rabbi, another rabbi, and then a man in, in our synagogue who is very religious who is also involved in the conversion process. And so the three of them were there and my husband. And so they all were standing outside the door to listen to make sure that everything happened properly. And then I needed the mikvah lady with me. We got to the mikvah and there was no mikvah lady. Oh dear. Thankfully, my relative Iris had been a a mentor to me and, and teacher to me along with sort of sort of the Jewish mother I never had in in just teaching me all of the traditions was there. And so she volunteered to be my mikvah lady. (laughs) So I'm, I'm eight months pregnant with, with my relative who I absolutely love and adore. And honestly, I, it it was so perfect because she played such a meaningful role in it for her to be there for me. She was highly qualified for it. It was just, it was just more the, more the issue that I had to parade around at eight months pregnant, completely naked in front of my relative. (laughs) which is fine. I'm not super modest in front of other women. I got in in the mikvah and just had the hardest time getting fully submerged under the water. And I I just kept 
sputtering and I'd come up and, and finally it, I would submerge myself, but I'd sort of inhaled water and then I had to try and say these prayers and I'm, I'm kind of sputtering and trying to get the prayers out. And eventually I got through it. And it, Oh, you're saying the prayers yourself. For some reason, I thought the mikvah lady was praying the prayers over you. Oh my goodness. That's complex. She was definitely helping me, but I had to say them myself. And then I had all these men standing outside the door sort of listening to this whole process. <laughs> It was an absolutely amazing, transformative, beautiful experience. And I would never have done it any differently. I mean, some of the most important people in my life were there for it. If I could go back, I definitely would not have done it eight months pregnant. That that created a lot of <laughs> technical issues. That makes it a lot more difficult. <laughs> I'm having such a funny mental image right now of a pregnant woman bobbing around in a baptismal because that's what I'm picturing. (laughs) Uh, But completely naked to boot. So cute. Oh, my gosh. But actually, that's really cool. And this relative that was your mikvah lady is the one who wrote the book that you're reading. And I will link to that in the show notes. Say her full name. Iris Mitlin Love is her name. Awesome. And the book is A Wife in Bangkok. She's a multi-talented lady then, it sounds like. She is amazing. I mean, we could spend a whole podcast talking about her. So yeah, really <laughs> tell my listeners all the places they can find you. You can find my store, uh, Heviva Mama uh, at hevivamama.com. And then the blog is Love All Mamas. And that is at loveallmamas.com. I'm also on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, uh, you name it. Um, I am super interested in, in hearing from moms, either your own personal experiences or your suggestions for clothing. We're trying to design everything responsibly where we're actually putting out clothes that women want, not telling women what they should wear. And so I, I take suggestions from moms all the time on where our collections are going. And so you can reach me at Andrea at HavivaMama.com is my email if you had any any ideas or just wanted to to talk. And I'm going to spell it for you listeners that don't like to go to the show notes. It's H-A-V-I-V-A-H-M-A-M-A.com. So that is where you should go. www.havivamama.com. Oh my gosh, this was so much fun. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. Oh yeah, this is awesome. Thank you so much for listening to the Fancy Free Podcast this week. Make sure to check out the show notes for today's episode at fancyfreepodcast.com for all the links we discuss in the episode. We have some really fun, not really bonus episodes, but just episodes that I'm going to squeeze in on a Wednesday or a Thursday in the next couple of weeks. So don't miss those. Click the subscribe button so that all the new episodes pop into your feed each week. If you have a story to tell, email me at notfancy at fancyfreepodcast.com. And I would love it if you would follow the Fancy Free Podcast on Instagram and also Shelfie Shop Cozy Clothes on Instagram. I have opened my women's loungewear shop online. It has had an amazing response. We are almost sold out of certain styles and colors, and we will be receiving a restock batch in about six to eight weeks. But every item does have a email me when this item is back in stock button. So Go over to shelfieshop.com, that's S-H-E-L-F-I-E-S-H-O-P-P-E.com, and let me know which items that you want. If they're in stock, snatch them up, and if they're not in stock, click the button so that you can be notified as soon as we receive more. And if you want more connection, laughter, and sharing, join us in the Fancy Free Facebook group. It is our own little private slice of the internet. We have so much fun over there. Have a wonderful week, and remember, no one is as fancy as they look. (laughs) 